This is Work of the Beat. It is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Jam-packed show. is a lot going on right now. And at a time when the football team is 11-1 and and heading to their division rival, uh, trying to clinch a playoff berth, uh, trying to get closer to home field advantage and the only buy in the NFC, and the Eagles are on the verge of that. Here we are. We are talking baseball for the bulk of this show. Todd Zalecki will join us from MLB.com. Todd was just in San Diego for the winter meetings, which wrap up on Wednesday night. Um, But pretty much for the Phillies, they were the speed shopper on Christmas Eve. They were, um, here's my credit card. Get me Trey Turner. Get me Taiwan Walker. Get me a reliever. And uh, thank you. Uh, you know, and, and throw a gift bag in there so I can throw them all in under the tree uh, for about $380 million. Uh Look, they are they they did a phenomenal job. They got the, the biggest the biggest non-Aaron Judge fish in the market. I know Jacob deGrom is going to be mentioned, and obviously Justin Verlander. Trey Turner, Trey Turner has never got the full respect that he deserves for how good he is, and he will be here for a long time and uh, so the Phillies have signed another long-term deal with a former Washington National and you know 11 years worth of Trey Turner is going to be something to watch and it kind of makes your jersey plans uh, pretty safe whenever he uh, reveals the number so uh, Todd will join us about that and other stuff then Mr. Kern will join us to discuss uh, the Eagles and some other things going on the big five trying to mount a comeback here um and dana dana o'neill our buddy had a um, article on that today on the athletic about him they're trying to reimagine it after the embarrassment that was the double header last week out at uh the palestra uh so lots to get to uh, a couple shows coming up before christmas our annual end of the year roundtable show and then it'll be eagles playoffs all the time but today it's phillies it's todd zalecki talking the phil's trying to get past the Mets and the Braves in the division. And, oh, yeah, go back to the World Series. Uh, that's what's next as Work of the Beat continues. Well, obviously, the Phillies were the big story out in San Diego. Um, you know, Aaron Judge was a big one, too. You know, you can talk a couple of things, but Trey, the Trey Turner signing got a lot of people back here excited and looking forward to Phillies baseball already in December. It's a throwback to the old days. And so why not talk to one of the leading figures, the leading figure, him and Todd's, uh, him and Jim Salisbury on the beat uh, for 20 years it's Todd Zalecki, who, uh, in case you were looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, uh, has a couple books out, including Doc, The Life and Times of Roy Halliday. Uh, you can find them at buytoddzalecki.com. Zoe, how are you? Good. How are you, Kev? I'm good. Uh, I, I, first of all, what was the lobby like, the first winter meetings after three years where uh, you know everybody got back together? 
You know, it, it was kind of weird. Maybe maybe I'm just imagining it. It was actually a little bit quieter than I think years past. I, I feel like there weren't as many people there. You know, Dave Dombrowski I kind of actually talked about it a little bit on Monday, so, you know, back in the day, which might have been, you know, just three years ago. He said there were a lot more pro scouts. Uh, now that teams have fewer pro scouts, there's fewer pro scouts in the lobby. It just seemed like there were fewer reporters there. But still, I mean, still a good crowd. Right. Fewer um, minor league teams, too, hiring, yeah, which is another. Right. Fewer minor league teams and, and all that. So still still a very lively lobby. You know, you're seeing, you know, uh, all the the national reporters racing around and on their phone constantly. And, uh, you know, still, still fun. It's still, it's still, um, still an an interesting time uh, as always during the baseball season, the, the winter meetings. So it's been a couple of years, obviously there's been a couple of years since there's been a winter meetings, but really this, I'm trying to think you've been on the B 20 years. Is this the most activity at a winter meetings that the Phillies have had? They've had activity after the winter meetings under Ruben when they got made the holiday trade, when they signed Cliff Lee and all that. But at the winter meetings itself, this is the most I can remember. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think so. I, 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 looking back, you're right. Like when they got Roy Halladay, it was right after the winter meetings. Uh, when they got Cliff Lee, it was right after the winter meetings. Um, a couple years ago, they got Zach Wheeler and Dee Gregorius. You know, and, 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 you know the the year they got Harper. Everything kind of seemed to happen. You know, that, I think that March. That <laughs> winter, yeah, it was March, and that winter meetings. I think they might have gotten McCutcheon, right? And that was it. So, as far as I can remember, this is definitely the busiest, and it was pretty wild. You know, right off the bat to kick it off the winter meetings on Monday morning in San Diego. You know, the Turner News, and then. Taiwan Walker and you know then on and on from there all right so let's start with with Trey Turner uh this has been kind of the uh, apple of their eye it felt like the whole time uh and it you know when he's turning down 40 million dollars extra from the Padres how appealing was he to them and them to him in other words I mean it feels like this was almost preordained that these would this would be the matchup eventually. Yeah, it, it really felt like it or feels like it. And what's funny is I, I've seen so many times in free agency, not just with the Phillies, but with every team, right? You always have like, you know, sources close to so-and-so say that he prefers the East Coast or sources cl- uh, close to so-and-so say he prefers the West Coast. And almost all, Always they go where the money is, right? <laughs> you know, almost always they go where the money is, and and understandably so. It's it's tough to leave a, a lot of money on the table, but the fact that Trey Turner left forty two million dollars on the table to stay on the East Coast, which was reported, I think really says something. And I think there's a few things there. Um, California you know, taxes, yeah, California taxes. <laughs> but I but I think I think really Trey Turner's wife is from Central Jersey. Uh, they're from the East Coast in that. They're both from Florida original. Uh, you know, they live in Florida. Um, they went to NC State. Uh, you know, he's friends with Bryce Harper. He knows the NL East. He's comfortable in the NL East. And I think one big thing is I think he really loved working with Kevin Long. He had some great offensive seasons with Kevin Long, and I think that was appealing to him. And so the Phillies, I, 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 the Phillies hit the $300 million mark, which I think was important because, you know, he, a lot of people say, well, what's the difference between 295 and, and 300? It's like, well, first of all, $5 million, but 
300 million also just looks cooler than 200. Sure. You, know, you know what I mean? It's so, an ego thing. I mean, you yeah, it's saying an ego it. thing. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I think f- for Trey Turner, he left $42 million on the table, but I think the Phillies also did the thing they needed to do, which is all right. If he's going to, you got to hit the $300 million mark. I imagine that had something to do with it, but the Phillies loved him from the very beginning. He was their number one choice. He fits well in so many different ways. And, um, you know, obviously uh, the Phillies are excited and I know, uh, fans are excited as well. You know, him and Harper are, are around the same age. You know, Harper just turned 30, correct? Yes. And yeah, he turned 30 during the playoffs. And, and Turner, I think, is 29. He's either 29 or he just turned 30. 30. Yeah. But but so they're the same age, but it's strange because Harper's been up three or four extra years. Uh, right. Because he had such an early start. You know, the one question I got debated back here when all this happened is the Harper influence. Um, And obviously money's the main influence. Let's not kid ourselves. If the Phillies had the Phillies gave him 100 million, he's not coming here. I mean, but the Harper influence on making this an attractive place. And we've seen that now with Castellanos and Schwarber and all that over the last couple of years. How big a factor is that? That you're playing with one of the guys who I think everybody agrees is probably going to end up in Cooperstown one day. Yeah, I think it's big, and I think it's big because uh, the players, the players, kind of, they're not idiots. They talk right, and they, they, I think they see what the Phillies are doing for Bryce Harper and and for the Phillies. They see a team that's willing to spend, and so it's not one of those situations where all right, I'm going to get my money, but. Two or three years from now, there's probably going to be a big sell-off, and, yeah. and they're going to stop spending. I think they understand that they're going to they want to strike while the iron is hot, meaning Bryce Harper in his prime, and so you know they're willing to kind of go the go the extra mile. And and um, Turner is 29. I just looked that up. Okay. I was like, I think yeah, he is 29. But they're close. Uh, I mean, they're a year apart. Yeah, they're, right. Their service time is four years, but in reality, it's a year. Right. Ex- yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I think the heart. I, I think the Harper influence is big. Now, I think a lot of people really overstate. Personally, I, I feel this way. Overstate like Bryce's influence, and they like, oh, Bryce is a great GM of the Phillies. Bryce definitely makes his opinions known, um, but I do, th- you know, and he could say, I want Schwarber and I want Castellanos, and I'm sure he talked to John Middleton and Dave Dombrowski. Said, oh my God, go get Trey Turner. Trey Turner is the guy we need, but. I don't think that they're going. Oh, we better get him because Bryce Bryce wants him. I think they they I think they went and got him because they wanted to go get him. You know what I mean? It doesn't hurt to have Bryce Harper be vocal about it, but I think more than anything, it's Dave Dombrowski going. John, we need to kick in some money here and go get this guy. If you want to win, this is a guy I think we need to win, and I think that's that's been a huge factor as well. And is that the benefit? Uh, not to dis not to disparage Matt Clintac, but Matt Clintac probably couldn't stand up the Bryce Harper. You know, if if Dave Dombrowski decided he wanted to go another way, he has the the credibility to tell Bryce no. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. No doubt. And I think and I think he also has the credibility to go up to John and go. We need that. Well, we need the money. Yeah, we need the money. Here's the deal, John. Um, you can either go out and get. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a great player. We you know we could go out and get Dansby Swanson. Um. Or we could spend a little bit more money or a lot more money and go get Trey Turner. And here's why I think Trey Turner is better. And if you want to win, this guy helps you win more than Danzy Swanson. You know, or in and hey, yeah, you know, seventy two million dollars is a lot of money for Taiwan Walker, but 
you know, he's, he's, we feel he's going to stay healthy and give you 160 innings every year. And that has value. So, you know, what do you want to do? We can go out and, we can go out and find the next, you know, Matt Moore or Chase Anderson type guy, or, you know, maybe not to that level extreme, obviously, but, um, or, you know, you can commit a little bit more money and try to win a world series. And so I think that credibility is really huge in this whole thing. When you're out there, what sense do you get on lineup construction? Obviously with Harper out the first part of the season, I want to ask you about, uh, the comments that were made by Scott Boris about that too. Um, but with Harper out the first part of the season, it's going to look different than obviously when everybody gets back together. But have they talked about Turner one, Turner two at this point? Because I think a lot of people feel Schwarber, why move Schwarber out of the leadoff hole? Right. And one of the problems, if you move Schwarber out of the leadoff hole, eventually when Harper gets back, well, you can have back-to-back lefties, and that's not exactly great when you have to face these short, these left-handed specialists down the down late in the game. Yeah, so I, I, it's really hard to tell what the lineup will – not hard, but um, if, if we're talking about Bryce Harper returns in mid-June or mid-July or whatever, um, what's the lineup going to look like? The only kind of hint that Rob Thompson gave is that he really likes to have some distance between Schwarber and Harper in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And if I'm reading that correctly, I don't see Harper hitting – second or leadoff and i don't see schwarber hitting you know second fifth or third or six right. yeah yeah f- right second or third or whatever so like it leads me to believe that when harper comes back schwarber could still be in the leadoff spot you have turner and then you can have real muto and then you can have harper and then you start getting into the hoskins castellanos you know um Bohm situation so you know that's kind of the way i see it but i also wouldn't be surprised if turner hits leadoff because we kind of tried to peg uh an answer from from rob thompson the last couple days about about the lineup because i i'm fascinated by it i know a lot of fans are fascinated by it and he said he was he was not committal in other words he didn't come out and say listen um Theoretically, if we would sign an elite level shortstop, I still love Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. He did not go to that extreme. He said, well, we haven't really discussed it. There's some things we can do. The only thing, like I said, is he said, I really like having some distance between the two left, the two lefties in the lineup, which is Schwarber and Harper. I mean, the only guarantee I think would be Turner's going to hit one or two. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if he hits anywhere else, I'm like, you, you got to be going like, what? what's, yeah. What, yeah, what, what's, what's going on here? I mean, I guess... I mean, Turner is such a good hitter. I, I guess you could do something like Schwarber one, Real Muto two, Turner three. You know, I guess that wouldn't be super crazy. But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, for me, for my money, I want uh, Turner, who's a high, high batting average, elite, elite level speed guy, hitting first or second in the lineup. Before I get into the Walker signing and the bullpen signing, um, are they done? Pretty much, I mean, yeah, there's always been the whispers of, well, maybe it'll move Hoskins because he's an arbitration guy. Uh, guy. I don't think that's going to happen now. I, I can't I, see that happening. Can you? I I can't, you know, and, and um, so Dombrowski said on Monday, and again, he, he wouldn't address Turner specifically. Because he's not signed officially. He's not signed officially. Yes, he's going to take his physical on Wednesday, uh, you know, I guess today's Wednesday. I expect Thursday. a press conference to be Thursday, um, and then he'll get into it. But on Monday, he said hypothetically we would sign somebody that would be it for us, position player wise. And I, you know, I've I've heard some stuff like 
oh, you know, they'll, they'll trade Hoskins and move Bohm over to first and, and uh, you know, find somebody else to play third base. I, I personally would be surprised if that happened, and I get it. Like, Reese had some really bad defensive plays in the postseason. He was you – know, he got off to a really bad start, and he finished really poorly in, in, in the World Series. But then he's got <laughs> – yeah, he's streaky, but he puts up. You really also good have numbers. five homers in the playoffs that you shake your head at as incredible moments. Yeah, too. incredible. Yeah, and so like he helped propel them to the World Series. And I know people really get frustrated with the defense, and I totally understand it. But you just can't replace that type of offensive production. And while Alec Bohm really t- showed some strides this year, he's not a big power guy, right? And so you know, are you going to take Hoskins' big bat out of the lineup? You know, with 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 Bohm not having showing much power to this point, with Castellanos coming off a really down year, uh, with Harper mace, missing the first few months of the season, uh, to me it just doesn't make sense. So I I do think that they're done on that end. I do think that they're done with the rotation. Um, I I I could still see them going out and getting another free agent reliever. You know, maybe one or two more of those types of guys. Bench bats, maybe two. Couple you know, yeah, D- you know, D- Dave made it sound as though he's not really uh, doesn't really feel like they need bench bats because because you know Garrett Stubbs is going to be the backup catcher. Right. They love 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 Edmundo Sosa. They okay. love Edmundo Sosa. Uh, they think that Matt Veerling is going to be the fourth or fifth outfielder. Well, I was going to say Veerling or Marsh, whoever's off that day, probably will spend more time. I, Marsh is going to see the bulk of the action, but you probably have Veerling as your main guy off the bench, right? Right, yeah, and then and then you have you know Nick Maton, or it could be Derek Hall. The first you know few months of this season, um, yeah, um, Dalton Guthrie could play a little bit of outfield. So they so they have some guys they feel that performed well in those roles um, the second half of the season, and so I don't you know I just it, now that there's no. Now that there's a DH in the National League, I feel like there's less of a need to get like that Ross Glode veteran bench bat type or the of stairs, guy. No, or the stairs veteran back cut with power off the bench. Right, exactly. Because that person's just never going to play. That person is just almost never going to play. So they like having young, young, versatile guys that, that can play. I want to go back to the Hoskins thing for one second. If Harper's not missing half a year, is it a different conversation with Hoskins? Because you do kind of still need his power bat on that lineup with Harper out until mid June, at least you would think. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it changes. Like, like I will say as I've talked to people in the organization, there is some frustration that, you know, Hoskins is so streaky and, and defensively, you know, he seems to make mistakes in big moments. I mean, you know, you could go back to the NLDS game, like Zach Wheeler could have had a postseason where he did not give up an earned run. Um, you know, if not for that, that one right. Hoskins error in that game. And then he had the error, the big error. And I think it was, was that game five of the world series um, the, the, on the, the, on the, the, on the dribbler the up the line that, that, yeah, yeah made three one. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, so there's, there's like, they, they, they know it, they know what kind of player he is. But uh, again, I, I think people just kind of like gloss over his offensive numbers. And I've tweeted out these numbers kind of to tweet right. people sometimes, but like, if you look at his career, if you look at his career numbers from his major league debut through the end of the 2022 regular season, like he's in the 90th percentile or better in like on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS. I think he's top 15 in home runs. I think he's top 20 in RBIs, and 
Yeah, they go, well, yeah, well, he, you know, he gets really hot and then he gets super, super cold. Like, yeah. All right. Totally. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend myself on this because I'm feeling a little sensitive. But the numbers are the numbers so. at the end of the day. <laughs> so I'm feeling a little sensitive on this because I've made a lot of these arguments. But no, yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I one it. of the things is they have a ton of DH and first base types. Right. And, and so that's what makes you think, all right, could you do move him and then move somebody else over? And it allows you to maybe change the dynamics defensively. I, not that it's going to necessarily get better. I don't think Alec Boom moving from third to first is going to be this magic cure-all of a great right. defensive third ba- first baseman. I just don't think that's happening. But it, it and also the fact is, are you going to keep Reese Hoskins next year? I mean, you have a lot of money on the payroll. Yeah, no, you're probably not. I mean, well, I I don't know. You're you're probably not going to keep him. Um, Depending on you know, I guess I guess it depends what what he's going to get out there. But I also don't know like what exactly you're going to get for him in a market, uh, yeah, a in, trade in market, a trade, right? right? And I think that's that's the other thing. There's there's been some guys moved, you know, a a, a slugging first baseman, below average defender in the final year of a contract. You know, I, I've heard from fans like, well, they should trade him for a starter, an elite level closer. I don't know if you're going to get that for Reese Hoskins, and that doesn't mean that. And, you know, and again, not disparaging Reese or anything. I just, I think the teams value what they value. And I, you know, the idea that, oh, just, just flip Reese, get like a stud starter, get like a couple really good relievers or, you know, go get yourself a third baseman. It's Trade like, him to the guardians for Plezak is what everybody I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, like, I, no, know, it's not well, going to and, and, and now that's definitely not going to happen because the rotation is said, I mean, right. Dave has said, and in, in conversations with people last week before the winter meetings, because I asked, I asked somebody, um, you know, what about that that top tier starting pitching market? And I'm like, we don't think that we need to go down that road. We've got Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, and we think Ranger Suarez is a three, if not a two. And by the way, we absolutely believe Andrew that Painter. Andrew Painter, maybe not at the beginning of this season, but his future is elite level ace stuff. And everybody at the winter meetings thinks this guy is going to be a star. And they also think that McAble is going to be very good. And they also think Griff McGarry can be, it could be very good. Um, and so for that reason, uh, you know, they got, they got Taiwan Walker. And so I don't, I don't see them trading Hoskins to get a start. I think that they, this, I would be, you know, anything can happen, of course, but sure. I would be very surprised if they went out and got us another, another starting pitcher at this point. All right. Now the other, the other starting pitching question, Nola's contracts up at the end of the year. Are we going to see that done? before they get the clear water at some point here? Yeah, that would might that might be one of the, the things um that they should consider doing. I, I mean I would, because it's tough to get good quality starting pitching. And you know, again, same thing like Nola, you know, he had those he had those couple Septembers in the past where he struggled mm-hmm. and then he struggled, you know, toward the end of the postseason. But But he was out but, of, he was out of gas at that point. Everybody yeah, can he, tell. I, yeah, I think he was out of gas at that point. Um, I think he is somebody, if you put him on a good defensive team, he would be like a Cy Young candidate every single season. I mean, he finished fourth. I think he finished fourth for Cy Young this year. Was it despite third, or losing, fourth, third or fourth? Yeah, third, third or fourth despite a losing record. I mean, yeah. he he is a really, really good pitcher. And I And I, again, same thing with Hoskins. I hear all the complaints and I totally understand it. I get the frustration with, you know, sometimes he struggles. Uh, but he's also very, very good, and I think uh, I think pretty much every team in baseball would love to have Aaron Nola. And I think the Phillies front office recognizes that, and for that reason, 
I would absolutely try to jump on uh, jump on a contract extension at some point. So Taiwan Walker over I, Jose Quintana is a guy I was interested in uh, that signed with the Mets today, I believe. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Um, yep. What was the difference? Why 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 Walker over Quintana? I, I think they like. I, I think there's a couple things in play that. He's thrown over 150 innings each of the last two seasons, and, and no, this is not, uh, you know, 2010 when like no. you know Halliday and Cliffley and Hamels. No, they're were not going 250, out. gang. Yeah, yeah, they're not not doing 220, 230 innings. Like now, for a starting pitcher, a good a good high number is like 210, 215. Right. Uh, so he's thrown 150 innings plus each of the last two years. He's still relatively young. Um, and so they like that durability. They said basically they wanted a guy that they could roll out there, make 30 starts, give you 160 to 180 innings, and, and be competitive most nights. And he has been that each of the past two seasons with the Mets. I think they're very intrigued by the fact that this past season with, with New York, he started throwing a splitter a lot more uh, with great success. It was a pitch he had not used in the past that much, and he really upped its usage, and it was really really good so i think they see some potential there and yes is 72 million dollars a lot of money for a quote-unquote number four star 100 percent. but zach efflin who's had a ton of injury problems got three years 40 million from the Rays. um you see all the other starting pitching you know mid not, not mid-level but that next tier down from verlander Degrom, uh radone oh even verlander even with verlander's stuff the fact that he got 86 million for two years is insane yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what the market is. And I've heard a lot of people, say, oh, my God, it's too much money. Like, who cares? <laughs> it's not your money. You hate saying it's, it's not, not your, your money. money. Yeah, it's either, either you know, it, this is the reality of the market. Either you spend $72 million on Taiwan Walker or whatever Quintana got from the Mets, or you don't get the player, and then you get the next tier down from that. And now you're going, oh my gosh, why didn't the Phillies just give this guy an extra 20? You know, you know what I mean? So, uh, but I think I think the durability aspect of it, and, you know, maybe I, I think they probably saw something in that splitter that really intrigued them. By the way, I just uh, I know you are rule five riveted here. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Noah Song is who the Phillies have drafted from the Boston Red Sox and put him immediately on the military list as he continues active duty service for the Navy. So he is not part of the rotation, I think, or okay. plans for next year. <laughs> um, I love I love the rule five draft. Oh, no, uh, the rule really, five but, draft was yeah. fun. Because everybody yeah, yeah, was yeah. so bleary eyed when they used to have it on a Thursday morning and it and watching yeah. the cabs pull out of the, the hotel five minutes after it was done was awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so you think they're going for another reliever in here though? I, I well I, I I think they could. I think they could because now you look at the bullpen, you have Sir Anthony, Jose Alvarado, uh, you have um um no I'm blanking on the name. Um well, st- uh, well, uh, you- yeah, I mean the the reliever they just yeah <laughs> the, 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 Rom, the, the, they just got Mestrom <laughs> who's going to be kind of like the Brad Hand replacement. They've got Connor Brogdon who I think showed him enough stuff at the in the postseason that they're like okay this guy's ready to take the next step. They could put Andrew, fall, they could put Falder there if they decide to go, you know bring Painter up yep. and go six man rotation yep. or or if they don't decide for six man rotation yeah. Yeah, and then and then you have uh, Andrew Bellotti, who to yeah. me was kind of an unsung guy that flew under the radar pretty much all season, but he was he was a very valuable piece. Um, Sam Coon, Sam, Sam Coonrod, Coonrod. Is still, yeah, he's still in the organization. He was injured most of the year. If he could, if he can get his command back, I think he could be a piece. But I still think it would 
I, I still think it would make a lot of sense for the Phillies to go out and get like another veteran reliever that Rob Thompson can kind of shuttle in and out of the eighth, ninth inning. Cause that would, that's what he really did very, very well. This, this season is mm-hmm. he had Dominguez closed, Alvarado closed. He had David Robertson closed. He had Zach Eflin closed. He had, you know, Andrew Blotty closed. He matched up. He, he did matchups. He did. Yeah, he oh. did. Yeah. He, he matched up really, really well. And he had enough options where he could go, all right, I'm not going to run Sir Anthony out there again today because he threw 30 pitches. But the good news is I've got David Robertson who can close. Or the good news is I've got Zach Eflin who can close. So I think the more options more options for Rob Thompson, the better. And the bullpen is the piece that you could probably get at the trade deadline the easiest because, I mean, we've seen it. You know, even Robertson this year at the deadline, that was a big move for them in, in, in yeah. being able to extend guys. I, I don't think there's an urgency to do it at this time of year. You're better off probably waiting till June or July to kind of see how everything shakes out. Agreed? Yeah, you could definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and there's there's always relief pitchers available at the trade deadline. They're the easiest guys to move, and um, but there's also they're also the most available guys on the market right now. So if so, if something comes along and makes sense, uh, you know, you, you can always jump on it now, but. That market is super volatile, obviously. I mean, think about last season and the guys they got all blew uh, up in their face. Yeah, yeah they all, you know, Knable got hurt. He got to a rough start. Then he was actually pitching really well, and then he gets hurt. Uh, Familia was just a bust from the very beginning, and then Brad Hand, he was he was okay at times, but then towards the end of the season, you couldn't trust him to get out a left-handed batter out. And, you know, he also had, he also <laughs> had an injury issue in there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah so. Uh, did he have an injury? Oh yeah, he did have an injury issue. Yeah, he did. He he had the elbow thing. Right. Um, so you know th- that kind of shows you, you have all these smart baseball people, and they pick three guys, and you know Knable gets hurt, which you couldn't have foreseen, and then Familia's a bust, which you know <laughs> it is what it is, and Hand just wasn't as effective. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe if you can get a guy to, at a, on a one year deal that you think could help out, maybe take a run at it. But yeah, otherwise you can always you could always wait. It's strange to refer to a team that went to the World Series and was two wins away and maybe one catch in the right field in game five away from winning a World Series as kind of an underdog. But you look at they have the Mets in their division who's going to approach $300 in payroll and has two Hall of Famers at the top of the rotation. Yeah, the Braves who maybe had the best young core in the game and have won the division five straight years, I think. Um, Did they narrow the gap in a strange way? I like... It, it, yeah. it, I mean, they're they're the national champions, and you, they shouldn't be narrowing the gap in their own division. But the reality of a one sixty two season, as opposed to a twenty game playoff sample, is a little different here, right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, for sure. I mean, they won eighty seven games. They got hot at the right time, and so that you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to wonder going into the season: is, are they going to? Is it was this a lightning catching lightning in a bottle type of situation, or are they really that good? I, I do think they are that good. Um, they finally ended up because they were pretty much one of the top four or five teams in baseball. I think record wise, once Rob Thompson took over, they mm-hmm. were they were pretty they were pretty good. So I, I do think they're that good. I do think they narrowed the gap, and I I, I think uh, the Turner Walker moves really. I mean, I think they're tremendous upgrades. You know, is and I Gene Segura has gotten a lot of love over the past couple months because of the postseason that he had. He also but, missed two months during the regular season, too. Yeah, he almost missed two months of the regular season, and he did really fade down the stretch. He had a couple yeah. of huge postseason hits. I get it, but I really like – I'm really um, looking forward to seeing how what 
Bryson Stott does in his first full big league season, um, you know, as, as, as a guy, as an everyday player, uh, I think he's got a lot of potential and I think, you know, and Trey Turner, if you want to put, I don't know how much stock you put in war, but um, he's like one of the top eight players in baseball since he became like an everyday player with the nationals a few years ago. So, I mean, he is an elite, elite level baseball player. So I think that that really takes him to uh, another level. Does it feel different now covering this team? In a strange way, I mean, you, you you know, obviously you covered the golden era and it was great. And then you covered the Sandberg era and then that collapsed. Um, and I just wanted to get a little shot at, at Rhino there. Um, uh, but, I mean, it, how different is it this winter even compared to last winter? Because you've this isn't potential anymore. This is they, they have a little track record going. Yeah, they do. It, it feels a lot different. I mean, it, it does feel like those those years where they went in the winter meetings going like, what big piece are they going to add to put them over the top and win a World Series? And that was obviously fun to cover because everybody was interested in the team. But you're right. It's now it's no longer now. How are they going to end the postseason drought? Can they end the postseason drought? Now it's like, can they get two more wins and win a World Series? And uh, you know, Rob Thompson actually talked about this on on Tuesday during his media availability. He talked about um, messages he wants to give to the players in spring training, and one of them is about expectations and how now they're going to come into the season, and there's going to be expectations. Mm-hmm. You can't just make the playoffs. You know, you got to be better than just just make the playoffs. This is a team that's going to be expected to, um, no matter what the Braves and the Mets do the rest of the offseason, the Phillies in Philadelphia fans are going to expect them to go win a World Series. And so he's going to talk to them about that and those expectations and um, how to handle it. And he says, and, and in his mind, and remember, he came many, many, many years with the Yankees who right. dealt with it every year. He's like, expectations are good because that means you're good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so kind of embrace it, I think, might be the message this spring is embrace the fact that everybody's going to be asking a lot of questions and about winning the World Series. But it's good because now instead of having 21,000 fans on a Wednesday night in June for a Rocky series, now there might be 34,000 fans in the stands for that Rocky series. And and, uh, and that makes baseball more fun. Yeah, the ticket numbers are going to be fascinating to see when we get towards spring, tra- uh, but the end of spring training and everything. How many people buy the, the group plans and all that? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a big boost. Todd Zalecki, again, he's got three books out The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, correct? Was one of them? Yes. The yes. rotation with his buddy Jim Salisbury and our buddy Jim Salisbury, and obviously Doc, uh, which you can get in either a Phillies version or a Blue Jay version for the Canadian in your life. So, <laughs> so, so, thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, and go, and uh, have a say hi to Ryan for me and have a great off season. And uh, we'll see as we get towards Clearwater. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thanks. And we'll be back on Work on the Beat right after this. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks to Todd Zalecki for joining us. And hello, Mr. Kern. How are you? I've been listening to Christmas music for five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're tired of it, aren't you? No, nah, no, nah, not really. Um, nah, I, you know, I, they started coming on, I think, like in early November mm-hmm. on uh, Sirius XM. Yeah, first day of November. Yeah, well, not all of them. I think two or three. and then But now there's like four stations. So, and then one of the Philly stations also. Uh, B101. Yep. But yes, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I go between that and talk radio or whatever. And 
Uh, let me, before I get to the Eagles real quick, uh, your thoughts on the Trey Turner signing. Well, you want me to tell you it was bad? <laughs> no, I mean, surprise. I mean, what, what do you want to know? They got, well, there, there, there was the best shortstop probably out there, or one of them. Right. There's four of them. That was the guy they wanted. That was the guy that Harper wanted. Uh, he's like the quasi-G. Hey, look, Middleton has shown you he's willing to spend money. Yep. He wants a trophy. Yep. He got close. You got, you know, now look, eight years from now, you and I could be sitting here, hopefully we're sitting here, and talking about how, you know, now now they turn into bad contracts at some point. But, you know, good again, problem well, to have. Well, it all depends if you win a title or not, yeah. Kevin. If, if you win a title or more, I'll take one and we'll work on two. But again, at some point, I think I, I was reading something or here's a Harper's now like the 28th um, highest player in baseball, highest paid because, you know, I guess if you do it per year, what he makes. Right. So at some point, he's a bargain. Um, and at some point, then the Turner contract, because it's a similar makeup, is going to be the same way. Yeah, but I mean, you know, some contracts turn out to be Alex Pujols. Right. So, yeah, that's true. you know, um, you know, who knows? I mean, the, what the Phillies have done, it looks like, in a division where, you know, the Mets aren't going anywhere and the Braves aren't going anywhere. Mets are going to spend $300 million. I just mentioned that yeah. was a lucky. And, and the Dodgers are going to spend, because you know the Dodgers, and the, the Padres are trying to spend. I mean, apparently Aaron Judge, I mean, was offered more by the Giants or yep. about the same. And apparently Trey Turner turned down more money from the Padres, yep. allegedly. Yeah. So, I mean, look. But he's got you've got a nucleus that's basically going to be here. Schwarber's here for another three years, right? Uh, Castellanos is three. Four. Schwarber's three. No, no, one of them's four. I, th- them, I think I think I think Schwarber's four. Castellanos. No, no, no. Is... I think it's the other way. Okay. I think Castellanos got one more year. I I could be. I thought he got five, and, and Schwarber got four. Maybe. Um, I wish it was the other way around. But again, at some point, Schwarber will slow down. You know, yeah. it, it happens. But he hit 50 home runs last year. So, right. um, But they're setting themselves up. They went out and got, you know, look, I don't know if this pitcher's going to turn out to be, you know, he's had two Tommy Johns. He, the, the second half of the season, he wasn't as good. But he's he, he was a fairly good pitcher. I, I know a lot and of people. And he eats a ton getting, of innings, Mike. Zalecki uh, uh, yeah, and Tab is just talking about that. Uh, yeah, but if he stays healthy. And, again, a lot of Philly fans probably want it run down. Right, Radon, Radon, and I just don't know. You can't as an organization. Yeah, you can't go out and sign everybody. <laughs> I mean, right. it's just the way it goes. Yeah, and the draft, there's draft picks tied to a couple of those guys because they got qualifying offers. So I understand why the oh, Phillies okay. don't want to. Yeah, sorry, and part again, with draft picks and huge a, amounts of money. A lot of next year will be, you know, Canola and and Wheeler again have the kind of years they had, and then you're going to have to either pay Wheeler or. Or well, pay Nola. I mean, pay Nola. Right. And I think the big part of this, not a big part, but I think what the Phillies are kind of hoping is that Painter or one of those other guys or two can come up and help them. Yeah. So, and you, you know, you might have a better idea than, than me on that. I well, and we were just talking about that with with Todd about the fact that they are really high on Andrew Painter, and it would be yeah. it would not be surprising if maybe not right out of spring training, but in May. Yeah, I know with Cole Hamels, they brought him up in like first week in May or something in Cincinnati. Um, but they had to, didn't they? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but they but but as far as like arbitration, it's different. Oh, now with oh, the, oh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Um, I got you. Yeah, they wanted to get him a little, his feet wet a little bit at the minors, and then right. kind of bring him up. Wouldn't surprise when, me if that's the case. But when can they bring him up where it doesn't count? In May sometime. 
Well, I, actually, that rule has been changed now. Oh, oh, okay. But there's the fact of you want to maybe still get his feet wet a little bit in the minors, unless he comes out in clear water and just knocks the door down. And, and aren't there a couple other guys that are pretty good down there? Well, they have Abel. They have, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, God, uh, I'm forgetting the third guy. That's okay. But again, you, you talk about an organization that hasn't produced many pitchers in, 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 you know, I mean, you have Hamels and Noah basically are it. I mean, maybe I'm missing somebody. Um, yeah. I, I, maybe, I, maybe a, you know, relief pitch. I mean, aren't those two relief Griff pitchers? McGarry is the other one, by the way. Okay. I mean, but I'm just saying, it, for an organization, I mean, if one of those guys is decent, and I don't know how much you're going to need to help next year, but look, the Phillies – I'd be interested to see today, like what the betting odds are. Yeah, you know who's the favorite. I, 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 well, I mean, the betting I, odds right now still have the Mets, and I think the Harper injury throws a little bit of this off. Yeah, sure. The Mets and the Braves, I think, are just a little, maybe a hair ahead of the Phillies. And how about the? Do- I mean, for the National League, is the Dodgers well, or the, the Dodgers, Dodgers? The Dodgers are there, I think, mainly on and rap. the Padres and the Cardinals. Right? I mean, it's the uh, same no. I think team. The, I think the Phillies are actually ahead of the Padres and the Cardinals. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, but it's, it's the, the same, same grouping. Yeah. Right. I mean, the Padres aren't going anywhere. Yeah, you know, the, Cu- the Cubs are interesting now because the Cubs, if they end up with one of these shortstops right. um, and uh, they they just made a signing on a pitcher, and I'm trying to remember who it was, uh, Tyone, uh, Jameson Tyone uh, mm-hmm. for, for there. You know, and they got a young core. They wouldn't be awful. I mean, I, they're a team that could actually sneak up and win the and win the uh, win the central. I mean, I mean, I look at it this way. You have Wheeler for two more years, assuming his arm's okay. You you, you have Noah for one, and then you know whatever you want to do after that. The Phillies window, look, the Phillies window isn't going anywhere, but the the, the immediate future window, let's say three years, it isn't going to be easy to get out of the National League. No, oh. um, there's no guarantees. You could have a really good team. You know, last year they came on in the playoffs, um, but they played without Harper for two months. They're going to play without Harper probably for two months this year or more. Um, but again, they're, what they've done and what, what, what November or October did for this town, which is give you more than hope. They, it mm-hmm. gave you a reason to say, Hey, we can maybe be that team. No guarantees. It's like what the Eagles are doing this year. You know, Hey, we can be the team. We may not, but we can, and we probably can for at least a couple right. more years. You would think so. Hey, look, it's a good time. We we've lived through a decade of the flyers. Uh, the process, a decade of the Phillies, and the Eagles did give you a Super Bowl. You can't take that away. But you know, we, we you know, it's Philadelphia, and and now the, we just went to a Game Six of a World Series, and you're the team with the best record in the NFL. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. All right. So let me get to the Eagles real quick, and then I want to actually touch on the Big Five at the end of this here. Um. And the reports, Mike Jensen had a report, and Dana O'Neill had a report about the Big Five's future. Again, we'll get into that in a second. Eagles at the Giants this week, start of a three-game road trip. Giants, Bears at Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Uh, By the time this is over, in theory, the division could be sewn up and even maybe a first round, uh, the the bye in the first round and home field advantage. Um, I thought that was as perfect a game as they've played. Uh, well, other than the penalties, other than the penalties, and the penalties yeah. were, they were, no, they, they were, were they were significant, but they were, they were. I'm not worried about that being a long term trend. Well, no, because they won 35 to 10, and every time right. they went into a third and 10, they made a first down. So, right. yeah, if you're going to do that, you know, and Jalen Hurts has been the the player of the week, Tw- two, two weeks, weeks in, in a row. row. That's hard to do. 
Uh, I think he's going to win. You know, I thought a couple weeks ago, I thought it was going to be Mahomes, and I still think Mahomes will have the better. Yeah, people tend to not give Mahomes the credit because he's always great. And, and Jalen's kind of come out of nowhere. But I, I think unless the Eagles blow the division somehow, I think Jalen Hurts is going to win the MVP. And by the way, I mean, you know, you mentioned this on a phone call with me. It's not inconceivable to think that the, you know, if they lose this week, this is the most critical game of the season in this sense. The next two. I, I would say this week. I mean, the Bears, yeah, are, the Bears, are, can... the Bears have lost seven in a row. I mean. I agree with you, Kevin. But, you know, Fields has shown in some of those games. They stink. I'm not telling you the Bears are good. But we see every week in the NFL something goofy happens. If, if Fields just goes nuts. And the Eagles play up, and, and that's that's the middle game. You know, that's the game. If the Eagles are going to have a letdown, that's probably the one where they're going to. Yeah, and they haven't had a letdown all year. Well, you know, they didn't play great against Indy, but won the game. Uh, but they've shown a remarkable um, trait of playing pretty consistently. You know, but the thing that happened this weekend too, it's um, you know. The team I I would say I would fear the most in the NFC was San Francisco. Uh, I know Dallas has played very well, uh, but I feared Frisco until Garoppolo went down. Yeah, I agree with you. And now I don't see Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson getting him to that point. That no, could, although I, I, I agree with you. But I wouldn't completely, only because their defense, their defense is, so is good, really good. And their offense has weapons. So if they can do kind of what Dallas did, well, the, the one thing the one thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to run over you. They're going to well, have to Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey you to death. I think they have to play like Dallas played those four games with um, what's his name, a Cooper where Rush. They, yes, where they basically don't ask him to do too much. And the the problem with a young quarterback like that, and they seem to be fairly high on him. But the the problem is, I think when other teams get a game or two of a scouting report on him. I think they'll be able to come up with something. But, you know, when you got Christian McCaffrey and Debo and Kittles, you know, you know, you can make – if your defense just plays it – look at the game last year when they went to Green Bay. Yeah. And won 13-10, right? But what I – yeah, but what I would say is that it's going to be more difficult because at least, the, at least the one thing with Garoppolo is Garoppolo could maybe stretch the field a little bit. Not well, Garopp- great. Garoppolo's 38 and, and 18 is a starter. Grappolo gave you a chance. But you're not worried about anything Brock Purdy's going to throw over 20 yards. No, I mean, no. But would I, would I completely dismiss the 49ers' chances? No. No, but I agree with you that I think that injury, and now the, the report today was that maybe, and maybe then, and, Garoppolo, then, and then Shanahan shot it down tonight. Yeah, and, and even but even if he came back after missing 60. No, I right now, Dallas is the team. I think if you're the Eagles, I don't think you fear Tampa, even though it's. I know it could be whatever you don't fear Tampa because they and nobody fears the Vikings because which is probably the Kirk Cousins Vikings, yeah but again they're they, they've only lost twice and and, and you know you Kirk have, Cousins you could have three teams in the NFC finish 14 and three and one of the teams in the NFC East is going to be the fifth seed because both of them can't be the one seed yeah so if the Eagles win the next two I think because and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record. I'm gonna do this now because I don't want people to say if I brought this up the week after the Eagles, if the Eagles somehow lost the division, I don't want people saying, "Well, you're just saying it because of the Eagles." Now I'm gonna say this now. I'm all for the NFL going to an NBA type system, 
in the NBA, division winners are guaranteed to have um, a, a spot in the playoffs. Okay, but you're not guaranteed a a pers- you know like if you're a division winner and you're the let's say you're the NFC South division winner, and the Cowboys go fourteen and three. And let's say you're going seven or seven and ten or whatever it is, right? Or eight and nine. You're going to Dallas. You're going yeah, to but Dallas, they're never, but they're never going to do that. Why? Because they because in the NFL, winning the division means something, and and they're never going to change that. And winning they're, fourteen uh, games doesn't. Yes, but what I'm trying there's. Kevin, again, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you the NFL is never going to change that because they want incentives for teams to win the division. They don't want Tampa winning the South and being the sixth seed. They just they don't want that. Or said that's hey, your incentive be. is you get in the tournament. No, your incentive is you you get rewarded for winning the division. That's what the NFL does. And and I don't have a big problem with it because if if Dallas wins 14 games and Tampa wins eight or nine. They should be able to go to Tampa and win the damn game. That's just me, but All you know, right. that, I hear what you're saying. I, I I don't, you know, but but then well then let me ask you this: Should Dallas be the, the second seed then? If they're, I mean, should you should you just leapfrog them over all the the other division winners? The division winner should be guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. Okay, well, but then the playoff seeding should be done by your record. Well, they do reseed after whatever, but. Um, Especially since only the number one seed's going to get a buy anymore, they should re- they should do yeah. it where you okay. They're not going to. They're not. They're going not going to. to. No, I and I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I it's not fair per se, but it's the way it's been, and and you got to give some incentive. It's like in Major League Baseball, you know, the Phillies could win the East with eighty two wins, and they still get seated higher than a wild card team that wins ninety five. There's no difference, Kevin. No. What's the difference? Yeah. There's no difference. I know. If the NBA wants to be different, then the NBA can be different. Let me let me get a couple quick hitters here with you before we wrap this up. Um, and Dallas, by the way, the next two weeks they're, they're going to win. Yeah. But their last two games, one of them's the, the Washington, and I'm not sure. Ten, at Tennessee. And but is the Washington game at Dallas or at Washington? I believe it's at Washington. Okay, and Washington could be playing for something. Yeah. Um. I mean, if the Eagles, even if they're tied after they play in Dallas, which I'm not sure they're going to be, but if they are, I think the Eagles definitely have the advantage from that point forward, playing the Saints and the Giants at home. Let me uh let me pick your brain here. Do they win or lose Sunday against the Giants? Well. Do you think the Eagles are going to go fifteen and two? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, at some point, something inside me tells me they got to lose. But if they're is it going to be the Daniel Jones? No. Oh well, well. Hey, look, the Giants aren't a bad team, Kevin. They're not. No, the but Giants, they don't have. Uh, look, it's almost a little carbon copy of what you saw with Tennessee. They're going to run the football. They're going to, they should be able to try to run the football. But the difference is, it's a division game. Yeah, it's, I they get lost it. it. They lost there last year. Uh, I, I, I'll put it this way: I would be very surprised if, with six or seven minutes to go, the game was over. Okay. Let me put it that way. I, I don't know if that. I, I don't think they should lose to the Giants. 
because I think they're a better team. And and but it's the NFL, and the Giants are playing to try to get into the playoffs. The same thing next week. I mean, they're whatever the Bears have left, right? Which may not be much. They're going to get the Bears' best shot. Mm. You would think. Uh, and again, mm. that's the game. If the Eagles are going to have a letdown, at some point they have to have a letdown. Okay, you can't just beat like. You know, this, this, this I would team. say the New Orleans game is the potential no. letdown game. You know why the New Orleans game? Because is they the want to get a higher draft pick for next that year. That is correct. They are going to win win that game. If they if they have clinched, by the way, that New Orleans pick is fifth right now. If they have clinched after by after they play Dallas, if they have clinched everything. Now I don't know if they would have clinched everything because I don't know if Minnesota is going to lose. But again, if if they if that New Orleans game mathematically means nothing, they are still for two reasons. One is you don't want to give your starters two weeks off and then a third week off, yeah. and then play Dallas in in the first round, perhaps. Uh, but you're the Eagles, man. You gotta want to win that game, right? Yep. All right. <laughs> let me let me let me. Move Will in. Anderson, baby. Just remember, think oh. Will Anderson. Okay. He won't be there when they draft, but that's it's a nice thought. Heisman Trophy winner is. Wow, I think it's still going to be the SC quarterback, Cade Williams. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Look, he got hurt the uh, the game last week. He played the whole second half with it or th- three, whatever. I, I just don't see, you know, is the guy from Georgia good? Yeah. The guy from Georgia also plays half his games with a half a field. Um, And I'm not knocking him. Uh, the guy from TCU is pretty good. But. It sums up college football, Mike, this year. It's a lot of pretty yeah. good. It's not a lot of great. No, 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 no. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia's pretty good. And Michigan's pretty, pretty good. Georgia and Michigan honestly, are very, very good. Honestly, you could have, everybody yelled about the fourth, third and fourth spots for the playoffs last week. You could have made that a two-team playoff, and I would have been perfectly happy. Yeah, you You could have got Georgia and Michigan. Just go yeah, play but, in L.A. and yeah, spread it year, out. Yeah, but most years it's not like that. No, and, it's not. And, but this year it is. I think TCU deserved a spot for what they had done. You should Ohio State did them. not. Who's that? Ohio State did not. Well, but it was either Ohio State or Bama. So, given my choice between those two, I would take Ohio State. See, I would take Bama because I'll I'll give them more credit for two tough road losses on the no, last but, play. But that's but that's asinine. You can't. No, I don't mean your asinine, Kevin. I mean the logic is that they they had two good losses, which they did, and then LSU. One of their good losses got KO in their last two games. Blew up. Yep. So, and I get what you're saying, and I'm all. And I, I, and I would have been fascinated if LSU had beat A and M, and then lost to Georgia. Okay. How much different are we looking at Bama at that point? I still don't think at some point how many games you win has to count for I, something. And, and Ohio State had wins over Notre Dame, which isn't a great team, but at the time they have a win over Penn State, which is a top eight team. Okay, whether we think so or not, they dominated all year. They were number one for a while, and Michigan thumped them. That tells me more about Michigan, probably, than Ohio State. But, again, if, uh, if Bama had a great win on their, on their resume, I would say maybe I would think differently. I think, what, this is my opinion, they should have made Ohio State and Bama play in. They should have taken, cool. taken them to Dayton. Taking them to Dayton. Oh, yeah. You're Sneak playing. it in. Um, speak- because I think that would be, I mean, in my humble opinion, I think that's a great game. Speaking of Dayton and NCAA type items, uh, there was an item today that the Big Five is considering a little bit of a retool. 
of going to maybe a, a tournament type or a round robin setting, uh, trying to build some excitement back in the institution. Look, we both love. We both hey, love I, the Big Five. I hate to tell. Look, I'm not. This was floated about ten years ago by Dick Girardi, by Jay Wright. It was Jay Wright who floated this to Dick. He wrote it at some point in time. I don't know. And I'm, I know Mike and Dane. I, everybody. I, it's it, this is not a new. They have to do something, Kevin. Well, after having twenty seven hundred or thirty five hundred or whatever the hell it was at the Palestra for a Big Five doubleheader two weeks ago, well, granted on a Wednesday night that was poorly promoted. Wednesday night without Nova, uh, that was poorly promoted. Here's the problem, okay? Villanova's won thirty of its last thirty one Big Five games, or no, they lost thirty two, of thirty two, right? Okay, fine, and and most of them by a lot, by mm-hmm. double digits. Okay, Saint Joe right now is not good. LaSalle's not LaSalle good. right now is not good. Penn is Penn. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're good for the Ivies. They might win the Ivies, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock. But that's a problem. And Temple is okay. You know, they're trying. They're trying to make that kind of step up. How do you promote that? And and the people. Well, Mike, freaking, Mike, if you're the schools, you have to have your bands there. You have to. Oh, I don't mean, Kevin, look. that. See, to me, that's all peripheral. Well, no, but that's part of the atmosphere, and that's what was missing I, I, that night. But is it? It, it wasn't. That was that finals week, or is that? I, I don't know. I'm just. Asking I don't think it was question. finals week. I think it was. Okay. It was the first week in December. So I mean, this. If I was going to do it, if I was going to do it, and uh, I would first of all, I do it on a weekend. It, it would have to be a weekend, and I know that's tough with scheduling because every school's got, you know, their schedules out, and and they're trying to fit things in. And um, I agree, they should try something. And and if that's if that's the plan moving forward, then fine, go with it. Try to you know. But I mean, I, I personally, and I don't follow it like I used to, but I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah, Until I read like a day or two before Eddie Barkwitz had something. There was a couple stories in the Inquirer. Um, so I apologize if yeah, but you you're right. You can't no, and I didn't know. I mean, I I knew yeah. like the day before. You can't have twenty six hundred people. No. Now, of course, the days look. I'm from a different era, Kevin, and you're from a different era where – and some of those stories of the big five back in the day are a little exaggerated. Sure. You know, people would have you believe there was always 8,500 or whatever. To and Les Kiter was always there with a bomb threat every right. Saturday night. Right. Exactly. But I do remember games. Like I remember, I'm going to say, uh, like seven, eight years ago, didn't LaSalle play Temple there and the place was sold out? Yep. It, and it was, it, I was there because I was covering it. You couldn't hear. I mean, it was really, really. Now, how do you recreate that atmosphere? Like, I don't know. Well, and especially because let's let's be honest, two of the big five are in the same conference, so you don't necessarily have a a, a natural like boundary of what's a big five game and what's not. Right. Neither but one of always, them, but they were always in the same. Right, conference. but neither one of them are exactly big draws anyway. Right. I'll well, I'll, I'll, br- I'll Saint- bring something up. Are, you, are I, you talking about St. Joe? St. Joe and LaSalle. St. Joe used to be a pretty good draw. Yeah, but now they're not. Now they're that's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're, yeah well, uh, that's what happens when you lose a lot. And, and I, I'm going to say this, and uh, some people are going to. <laughs> a lot of big five space came from the suburbs. Okay? A lot of people who went to, to the schools in question come from the suburbs. And you and I have talked about this, and this has been a topic because of the arena setting in Center City and all this. I'm not sure people were thrilled about the idea of going down there on a Wednesday night, even if they knew about it. You mean to the Palestra? To the Palestra. So do you take it to South Philly? 
I don't know. Do you have because it on that, a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, but if you only draw 6,000 in South Philly. Oh, know, then it's a big it empty like. building. Sure, I get it. And I think the whole tradition with the with the Big Five is the plus. Right, but I also think it. it's also, how do I say this? It's also the fact that you have to be aware that if you're going to have an, a mega event, like a, a double header like that, you have to kind of do it during the daytime. And that's what would make it appealing. Probably. But, you know, it didn't used to be that way. Oh, it or, didn't. I, Absolutely. This too. Or even a Saturday night, maybe. Like, I just think weekends are better. Maybe a five and a seven or something. Yeah. yeah it's your game yeah, time. Get like you out of there. Like, the idea, I think people maybe were a little nervous trying to get out of there at 1130 if you were Man. trying to go for both games. But you want to know the sad reality, Kevin? It ain't never going to be what it was. No, it's and never going to be what it was. Because back then, the teams weren't great every year. But most of the time, look, Villanova went through a bad thing in the 70s there when Raleigh took over, you know, until Raleigh got it going. Every school has had their down mm-hmm. periods. But for the most part, he always maybe two or three of the schools at least were good. Right. You know, and then there were years where maybe all five of them were good. Or, or and This um, is a year, to be honest, it's – I still think Nova will make the tournament. But it's not just this year, Kevin. Right. It's been, but, but, did you see the stat that Mike Jensen had, um, or somebody had? I'm going to give Mike the credit. But uh, LaSalle's been in the tournament once in 30 years. Yep. That was, okay, the, and I was there. South Philly floater. Right. Philly floater. Uh, Temple has been in once since 2016. Uh, St. Joe's has not has had five straight losing seasons, I want to say. Um... Penn has been in once, I think, since 2007. Now, that's a problem in the in the way the world is structured now, and yep. it's not the fault of the coach. You know, it's not Stevie Donahue's fault, whatever. But they, they, but again, think of that. Yeah. Once in 30 years. That's a once lot. Since 2007, um, none since 2016 for Temple. I mean, how do you sell that? I, I don't know. I, I don't. And and it's a shame. Because I remember covering those games for so many years, and you mm-hmm. covered them for so many years. And um, oh, I love I love the old Big Five games. It's just yeah. you know, but and yeah, it's not just that Jay Wright. It, it, part of it is that Villanova obviously won two national titles. Jay Wright's all, but Jay Wright can be all that mm-hmm. if Temple's still Temple, if St. Joe's is still, you know, if those schools are still doing what they were doing, largely, it, it still would be okay, I think. But the fact that, that, that they're in such a drought and Villanova, you know, is, is, has been on such a high, it, it's just – but you have to try something. I, I mean, I, I agree with, with anything that's being written. I haven't read those stories. But you, you have to try something. Um, but it, it just seemed like this was kind of a feeble effort, you know. But yeah. maybe – I'm not trying to push blame on anybody. But if well, you I'll, and I, I – I'll, I'll tell you off air an inside joke, so – Okay, well, Honestly. but if you and I don't know, and we're not the be-all and end-alls, trust me, at least I'm not. You you might be, but you, but you no, know more. Than, no, 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 but you usually, you're usually more in the know than I am because, you know, you're following more things and stuff like that. But, man, that's a problem. That's a problem. But again, but again like this year, you're probably, they may have no teams to make the tournament. I, I, mean, I Penn, still think Nova gets in. I, I, I think they have a chance, and I think Penn has a chance, and I think Temple may have a chance. You put Whitmore in that team, and then I agree with and you. then you eventually get Justin Moore back. They probably get in in the Big East. I agree with you, but they may be in a nine seed or no, something. No, they could, absolutely. I think that, um, but, but. I think Temple has a shot. 
because I think they, they have they have a shot. And I think Penn has a shot. I mean, Penn's one of the favorites in the Ivy, so they definitely have a shot. But again, that's shots. Yeah. You know, I remember us sitting here years, and we knew that three teams were going to be in. Yeah. You uh, know, so... All right, so as we're wrapping up, uh, Mike and I have some programming announcements. Uh, Mike, are you uh, you on on Saturday morning? Yeah, always on. Uh, me and, me get, and Gerard. Plug away. Plug away. Uh, well, no, here, there, and everywhere. It's on iHeartRadio, um, The Gambler, 9 to 11. Tune in. Catch us on, you know, stream us. Do something. I Whatever. I, I wish I could tell you the stations. I don't know them off the top of my head, so I apologize. I will be on uh, 97.5 The Fanatic this Saturday with D. Lynham between 3 and 6. Uh, just uh, kind of hanging out and talking some sports and uh, going to do that the next couple Saturdays with D. So looking forward to it. Uh, Hopefully one of these weeks will do it with me, but good for you. Yeah. Uh, I'll be I'll be listening unless I'm down in Maryland. Oh, you may be going to Maryland? My daughter. Okay. They got they, 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 man, my, my one <laughs> my one daughter-in-law's got COVID. Okay. Uh, this sounds like I, a great trip already, Mike. No, no, that's the one up here. <laughs> okay. No, uh, my daughter has been sick for oh, like a week, but it's not COVID. It's just sick. And her husband, my son-in-law, had something cut off of his um, uh, thyroid last week. So he's been recovering. As, you know, they're waiting to find out what the, the results are. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's just you know. Yeah. It's, I just sit here in my house and hope that, you know, nobody breathes on me and whatever it's um yeah and you went you went through all that so i'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't well, i haven't know. had i haven't had covid yet no but you went through a lot of stuff i mean yeah. you know it's just yeah. um, mom, mom, mom is doing well we're gonna enjoy the holidays together and she's still got some things to work out but it's a little more stable at this point so which hey is good. everybody's got stuff to work out and it's all gonna be us someday so boy they put know. that on a t-shirt and give that out for the holidays there mike hey so let me ask you a question before sure. I let you go. So Trey Turner does what for the Phillies? Are you asking for numbers or are you asking? No, no, no. What what role does he fill on the team that 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 will you know? He's I, I heard he can better, bat anywhere. Better defender, contact he can bat, hitter. He can bat one through three, right? He'll hit one or two, I think. Okay. But he could hit three if you needed him to. If you needed him to, but I think they would be wise to stay away from that. Uh, he does strike. He does strike out a lot. But yeah, every, but he's still he's a three hundred hitter. He ha- right. And Mike, with the defensive shifts going away, that's right. With the pitch, uh, with the pickoff limits coming in, it's enormous what he can do yeah. for them. That's that's a bad rule, by the way. What the the pickoff thing? I love it. This, oh, I yeah, love but it. here from this standpoint though, um, you're giving a guy a free steal. Because oh. if Trey Turner knows, no, you're putting some strategy into it. No, but what I'm saying is, yeah, I, I understand. But once a guy does throw twice, and probably what's going to happen is nobody's going to throw twice. That's probably what's going to happen. Because if Trey Turner's on first base, or a lot of other guys, knowing that the pitcher can't go to first base, he's getting a flying start. Right. Right. Yeah. Unless the pitcher steps off the rubber, he can do that. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I just find I know what they're trying to do, and, and I understand. I get it. And and don't the batters now have like they they can't get out of the batter's box or something? They well, have yeah, to, you have a pitch count, a uh, pitch clock. But is the batter allowed to step out of the batter's box? Not really. So he can't call time nope. anymore. 
Oh God, no, but this this will be. I mean, Trey Turner. Seriously, people were saying he could steal 50, 60 bases. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah, he. I think it was a luck. They that was the guy they said they wanted to get, and they got him. So, I don't know how you can do. You know, last year they wanted to get Schwarber, they got him. Three years ago they wanted to get Harper, they got him. Two, two or three, they want to get Wheel. I mean, they go out almost every year and get the guy they want. Right. Something to be said for that, whether it works or not. You know. Yep. All right, Michael. Uh, hey, say hi to D for me. She's we'll, one of my faves. We'll do, and we'll, we'll talk again next week. And the Eagles will be 13, 12, and 12 one. 12 and then. one. Yep. I, I tend to agree with you, but it would not shock me because I think we need some drama in this thing. A little, need, a little, need a little drama going to Dallas. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay, babe. Be good. Yep. All right. Thanks to Todd Zalecki for joining us. And our thanks to you for joining us. Have a great weekend. Get this, get that holiday shopping done. This has been working to beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine.